Well, out in the desert of West Texas, there's a special place called Waco Tanks. I don't know if any of you have ever been there. It's, it's in the uh, far West Texas, just on the New Mexico border. And for centuries, varying people have visited or lived near the area for one key reason, water. See, Waco Tanks is a rocky area known for exploring, hiking, and, and rock climbing. And the rocky hills and cliffs are, are covered with Wacos. A Waco basically means a, a hollowed out rock that, that can collect rainwater, and hence people stayed there because the summer rains would provide water that would be stored. Well, as a young kid, my parents often took me along with my brothers out to Waco Tanks for picnics and exploring. It's such a dramatic place, and I'll never forget one day that we were there, I said to my parents, I want to go climbing up on this cliff. And they said, sure, Robert, have fun. I was probably seven years old or so. They said, sure, Robert, but always remember this. Whenever you use your hands to climb up, never, ever, never, ever, they said, place your hands in a spot or hole you cannot see. Rattlesnakes are all over the place. And if you're not careful, you could end up putting your hand right on top of a snake. So be careful what you grab onto and only grip a rock or a hole you can see. Well, those days were about grabbing and climbing onto rocks to climb, about tightly holding onto things to make your way up a hill. But all of us, whether or not we grip onto rocks, we all grip or hold onto all kinds of other things in life. We hold onto our young children when they're about to cross the street. We hold tight to our loved ones in times of joy and despair. We hold onto our values to guide us through life. We hold dear friends close to our hearts. And for a moment, just think about all the things and the people that you hold tightly and grip onto in your life. Well, sometimes we hold onto something or someone too tightly for too long or in ways that are not life-giving. Certainly, some of what we hold onto comes from love and what's important to us in life. I hope we hold onto our families and friends and partners and values and God tightly. But there's something more to keep in mind with all of this. You see, whether or not we are aware of it, regardless of where we are in our faith and life journey, in the midst of our successes and failures, God is holding on to you and to me tightly and never lets go. Many people have said we are held in God's tight grip. Well, as I believe this is true, and as I believe this is true, and as our loving, forgiving, guiding, life-giving God holds us tightly, I believe that God invites you and me into a way of being in our life that I want to touch on this morning. God asks us, as God grips us, to be gentle with ourselves and to be gentle with others day in and day out. You see, gentleness is an innate characteristic of God. And as we are made by God, created in God's image, God's desire is for us to place gentleness front and center in our day in and day out lives. While gentleness is something God seeks from all of us, clearly gentleness is not always easy to incorporate into our lives, is it? As often the ways of the world are anything but gentle. And sometimes gentleness can be hard to find in churches. Gentleness can be hard to find in the ways in which we as Christians sometimes act. And often out there we encounter people whose actions and words are the antithesis of gentleness. 
With this said, I'd like to dig in this morning into gentleness by looking at some definitions, what scripture has to say about it, and some things to think about for each of us to help us become more gentle with others and hopefully with ourselves. Well, gentleness from a variety of dictionaries is defined as being kind, tender, mild-mannered, even-tempered, calm, considerate, benevolent, and gracious. It's important to note that gentleness has nothing to do with being passive. It's not a passive thing at all. But it does connote freedom from harshness, freedom from violence. There's even an old Irish proverb that says, true, true strength lies in gentleness. And I love what one person writes, that gentleness is strength wrapped in love. In scripture, gentleness means a lot of the things I just shared, but adds the qualities of being affable and calming and even-handed. It's about taking care not to harm another person in any way, even emotionally. And one person notes that centuries and centuries ago, the word used for gentleness in ancient languages was a word that was used when talking about reducing a fever, taking the heat down. Another person notes that in scripture, gentleness does not mean wishy-washy, indecisive, unassertive, or wimpy. Rather, it's an unwillingness to cut or slash at people with our words and actions. It's about being intentional, not about wounding others. Gentleness is about understanding that there are ways to be bold, nonviolent ways to stand up for what is right, and non-manipulative ways to lead and convince. It's about self-control. Well, gentleness is something that shows up all over Scripture. In chapter 5 of Paul's letter to the Galatians, we find these words that you all have heard. The Holy Spirit, in other words, the Spirit of God that's within us, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. God's Spirit within us produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, and gentleness. Gentleness reflects the presence of God that is within us. And a lack of gentleness, as one person says, is completely antithetical to God. This is why Paul wrote in his letter to Titus, be gentle with each other. And why he wrote to the people of Ephesus, I beg you, lead a life worthy of God. You've been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other making allowance for each other's faults because of love. Be gentle with each other. And Paul reminds the people in a city called Thessalonica, he says, remember how gentle we were when we were among you? And the brother of Jesus, James, wrote this, if you were wise, live an honorable life. Wisdom comes from God, and God's wisdom leads to peace-loving and being gentle at all times. Throughout scripture, it's clear that God wants to show up in the world with a spirit of gentleness. It's also clear that God wants us to be gentle when there's conflict, something we don't see in our country this day. In the city of Philippi, there was a Christian community. Apparently, two women of faith named Euodia and Synctity were having some conflict. These two women were in the Christian community and they were in conflict with each other. So Paul sends a letter to the people of Philippi and addresses not only the whole community, but these two women. He writes, let your gentleness be known by everyone. In other words, Paul reminds Christians to be gentle, 
even those who are in a state of conflict with each other. In Paul's second letter to Timothy on this point, he writes, be kind to everyone, be gentle even with those who you are in conflict with. This is why in the book of Proverbs there are these great words, gentleness deflects anger. In addition, in Paul's letter to the Philippians, Paul not only links worrying and prayer to experience God's peace, but gentleness as well as we heard in our reading today. Paul also in that letter addresses how we are to respond to others who have made a mistake or sinned in life. Paul writes in his letters, in a letter to the people of Galatia, for example, he says, Dear sisters and brothers, if another person is overcome by sin, made a big, big mistake, you, are, you who are a person of faith should gently help that person back on the right path. Share the burden. It's what Christ seeks. Clearly, God wants us to show up with gentleness, and gentleness reflects God's spirit. And when we live in gentle ways, we are living in concert with God. It's important to point out that the one we follow, Jesus, was the essence of gentleness. In chapter 11 of Matthew Gospel, Jesus says a prayer. Immediately after the prayer, he says this, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Here Jesus was inviting people to turn their weary and burdened lives over to him. Jesus was speaking about all kinds of burdens, including the burdens some of the religious leaders were putting upon the people at the time. Jesus says that his way is not burdensome, just the opposite, that he is gentle, that it is who he was and is. A brief caveat. There is such a thing as righteous anger Jesus got angry over injustices, religious hypocrisy, oppressive religious systems, plain old hard-heartedness, people who thought freedom was the most important thing in life, not how you use it, among other things. Jesus was also quite bold at times when confronting things that were wrong. Gentleness does not preclude being bold or assertive or righteously angry, but there's a way to express righteous anger that's not destructive. There's a way to be bold. There's a way to be assertive that keeps us in alignment with how God wants us to be in such places. That's another sermon. But what is important is that gentleness is incredibly misunderstood in our culture, not part of our culture, and certainly not how I would describe many dimensions of our country right now. But gentleness is God's way, needs to be our way, and is anything but a wimpy way of living. I believe we need to be aware of any leader in any domain in our country, in any setting, who are not gentle in heart. As I mentioned, lack of gentleness is antithetical to Christ. We should not allow ourselves to be in alignment with people in positions of power who are not gentle because they are living their lives that counter the message of Christ. And remember that gentleness reflects strength, not weakness, courage, not fear. God's wisdom more than our own, and it's at the core of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. As one person writes, don't be fooled by a gentle exterior. There is strength and power underneath. Another person writes, the word gentle in scripture does not mean weakness. Think of a horse that has been tamed. It's not weak. The animal has learned to yield and to control its natural instincts. 
He goes on to write, Jesus did not come on a brave horse into Jerusalem. He came on a donkey. The God of the universe could have come on a brave horse to impress, to honor himself, to obtain the submission of others, and to receive adoration. But Jesus did not because Jesus didn't have an eye problem. With all of this said, what remains is the question of how each of us can journey toward becoming more gentle toward others and, yes, even ourselves. Well, here are just some thoughts to keep in mind. First and foremost, remember that gentleness has a source, and that source is God. God's nature is one of gentleness, so the more time we spend with God, the more time we take to be in an intentional relationship with God, the more and more we will move toward becoming gentle. When we're not feeling gentle, it doesn't mean we should beat ourselves up or be hard on ourselves. Rather, it should serve as an invitation, as a signal that we need some God time to get back to God, the source of gentleness to begin with. To be gentle, I believe it's helpful to acknowledge and accept and get in touch with the fact, as we all know, that every single one of us has mighty challenges, sometimes very great ones. We all have hurts, upsets, unresolved issues, strains, worries, pressures, and stressors. And while the intensity varies from person to person, as Scott Peck said one day, life is difficult. Yes, joyous, wonderful, a blast at times, but life is also difficult. And I believe when we remember this, we become more gentle with others. And hopefully this makes us more gentle with ourselves. To be gentle, we need to be in touch with our own emotions, all of them, all of them, and to work through them and to get in touch with the very deepest feelings. You see, when we're healthy emotionally, when we're connected with ourselves emotionally, when we're in touch with our feelings, we move away from being reactive in life and we move to a place of being grounded. Being gentle comes from being grounded in who we are in relationship with God. And when we're willing to get in touch with our own emotional life and learn to be emotionally expressive in healthy ways, we're more likely to be empathic and care about the emotions of others. All of this breeds gentleness. To, mean, to be gentle means that we become very aware and pay attention to that very special space in life between a stimulus and our response to it. That space between a stimulus and our response to it is a very sacred space. Here's a silly example. Let's say I hit my finger with a hammer. That's the stimulus. My response is likely to be ouch, among other things I won't say from the pulpit. But there is space between hitting my finger with a hammer and my response of ouch. That space is sacred space. We're in charge of that space. What we do with it, what we think during it, how long we will remain in that space before reacting. And when we are gentle in our lives with other people, we're very intentional about viewing that space as a sacred place that we can choose how we're going to respond in a way that reflects the spirit of God. When we are gentle, we'll often choose to sit in that space for a while before reacting, which makes us non-reactive. Just a silly example, a car cuts me off, my fingers get going immediately. Not a gentle thing to do. Instead, I can notice the person who cuts me off and take time to ponder before reacting. I might respond to that space by thinking, I've been distracted, I've cut people off, I too have been in a hurry, 
I too have been upset, and we manage that space in a different way. I also believe that gentle, being gentle gets started when we learn to be gentle with ourselves. This is hard when we are stressed, worn out, emotionally exhausted, pressed, or dealing with hard things. But God invites each of us to be gentle to ourselves and with ourselves, just as God is gentle with each of us. One way to leverage becoming more gentle with ourselves is to get into the whole idea of self-compassion. This idea of self-compassion in the mental health field, in psychology, in spirituality has just exploded over the last decade. And I believe that much of what is coming out is God-driven because God is love and God wants us to love ourselves and have compassion towards ourselves. One person writes that self-compassion is the ability to turn understanding, acceptance, and love inward. It's cultivating the compassion we have for others, for ourselves. Here's what one person writes. We need to ask ourselves how we can offer grace to ourselves when we don't react or act in the way that we want to. How can we remain calm and balanced when we fail? How can we come to accept our imperfections as we accept the imperfections of others? This person goes on to write, while we recognize we all fall short and make mistakes, we also realize we're in an imperfect world and we need to turn to self-compassion without succumbing to self-hatred or discouragement. Now, Kristen Neff is a leading person on this whole subject, and she writes that self-compassion is all about not harshly criticizing ourselves, accepting that no one is perfect, and that being compassionate to ourselves does not mean we never try to improve. Self-compassion is about internalizing God's compassion toward us. When we succumb to self-hatred, we are dishonoring God's creation. You see, God did not make any of us worth less than other people. And I would add on this that we all know the great words in the Gospel of Matthew that we're to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Well, how about how we do unto ourselves? Isn't that of equal importance? This is why we say over and over and over and over at the chapel, love God, love others and learn to love ourselves. And so I want to close this morning with some questions to ponder, to think about, to ask ourselves questions such as, where am I right now in terms of being a gentle person? Does my life exude it? What is happening within me or around me that is affecting my ability to be gentle? How can I be more gentle with others? How can I be more gentle with myself? And what can I do specifically to be more gentle with myself? Do I need to be spending more time with God? Well, there's a lot for us to spend time thinking about and pondering. And, and I invite each of us to ponder and pray about this whole issue of gentleness and to pursue these questions. Because I believe God wants us to move toward becoming more and more gentle each and every day. To pray about God's desire for us to be gentle. To delve into all the great stuff that's out there in gentleness and self-compassion. And to recognize that gentleness not only changes the lives of others, but our own. And remember this, that God grips you tightly and won't let go. And God's grip upon you is lovingly gentle 
even when we're not feeling gentle toward others or ourselves. And so I want us to turn to a few moments of prayer now. And as we do so, it might sound strange, but I invite you to put your hand right over your heart as a gesture of gentleness toward yourself and self-compassion. And, and go ahead and do that. It's okay to love yourself in that way, as God does. And as you do, I'd like us to take just a few moments with our hands in our hearts, showing this compassion to ourselves, praying with God about this whole idea of gentleness with others and with ourselves. <laughs> 